Yeah, two weeks in a row, we're starting the show out with Gavin. <laughs> in these unprecedented times, um, mm-hmm. unprecedented measures are necessary. So a friend of the show, Darth, had a, had a link. that Actually, you were the one that put this in the offline online Slack. Um, and I think Darth's quote was, what exactly is going on here? And it was a quote tweet of the um, official Twitter handle of the officer of office of the governor of California. And it's a picture. Actually, can you describe it real quick? So this is in front of uh, Universal Studios, California. And this is um, last Tuesday, the 15th, when, you know, California had its big uh, reopening. And uh, the governor is on stage surrounded by, let me see if I can get all these beloved Universal <laughs> characters here. Isn't that the Disney trademark? <laughs> Whenever they're talking about what's coming out of the Disney Ball, beloved, characters. beloved characters. Yeah. 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 So we have, I'll, I'll go um, left to right. <laughs> so we have um, Optimus Prime. Who's a who's a transformer? He's kind of so he's, uh, n- he's not an Avenger. He's not an Avenger. No, that trade trademark trademark Disney Marvel. Um, he's kind of like the the head good transformer, I think. Um, then I need to make this picture bigger. Then there is oh, there's there's someone who is are they holding a dinosaur? I, I guess supposed to be holding like a baby Velociraptor. Um. He's got a bootleg park ranger hat. I don't like that at all. That's copyright infringement. <laughs> so this is a this is a reference, Carlos, to uh, Jurassic World, I believe. Where is Jurassic World the, a movie or a theme park? It is a movie. Okay. Um, and one of the main characters in that raises Velociraptors from the time that they are young. So I believe that's who this person is supposed to be. Okay. Then next up, sort of center stage, we have, um, as we discussed offline, online, my, my personal favorite, uh, the Minions. Well, no, each one has a name. <laughs> I'm afraid I don't know their names, although I bet you know like one of the three names. I have, uh, thankfully, I think I've only seen two-thirds of the first Minions movie, and that was under duress. So I'm familiar that... Um, <laughs> Let's put a pin in that. <laughs> um, and I'm familiar that Michael Scott apparently was uh, an like an, in a Shrek-style animated movie where he's he's evil, and there's a cute little girl who says, it's so fluffy, and that's the gist of what I know about Minions. And also, thank you, Google. Quick Google search. Apparently their names in order are... Bob is the short one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stuart is the one with one eye, and sure. Kevin is the other one. Kevin is kind of the Dwight oh, yeah. Schrute of the of the group. Sure, yeah, yeah Kevin. Um, the there these that those characters were originally like from something, right? Like they didn't start out as their own. Well, no, that's that's the. Oh no, wait. Oh, I I phrased this wrong. I have not watched a Minions movie. The movie that Steve Carell was in was called Despicable Me. Despicable Me, and that's uh, yeah. I, I did they make standalone Minions movies? I believe so. Oh no! Yes, I believe so more than one. Oh no! Okay, that's not that's not good. And I I don't I don't think they were even like um, direct video as we used to say or anything like that. <laughs> I think they were um, like actual, actual theatrical like, releases, proper um, theatrical releases. Although, what are those anymore either? Um, so okay, so we we've got the minions whose names I've already forgotten, and then. 
last but I, I guess not least, there are two, I think, trolls. Why is one of them look like it's been? Uh, it's just not wearing clothes and it's just like painted silver. <laughs> <laughs> That's the um, um. Oh damn it! What's what's the Arrested uh, Development character's name? Who, um, Tobias, the never nude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'll, anyway, I'll, I'll I'll workshop that. So anyway, so yeah, so those are those are all the characters that happened at Universal Studios, which is maybe in Southern California, um, uh, in, in in Hollywood. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, mm-hmm. that's where all the coastal elites are. Area um, area, you're very familiar with. I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there once because there was a Shake Shack there. Mm-hmm. Um. And then this is all under the uh, uh, under the backdrop of uh, a Vax for the Win giveaway with novelty checks. Um, kind of small novelty checks, though. Yeah, what, what is even going on? Why is Gavin trying to cut costs? Like, I know we're <laughs> I know we're in a drop, but I don't think that means that you can't print out larger novelty novelty checks if you're having if again we're, we're not going to get into the to the vaccine uh, encouragement programs but i mean we're we're paying people fifty thousand dollars to yeah um but yeah the novelty checks are quite small and then hashtag vax for the win and it's also a combination with uh the tagline for california's reopening is california roars back right which again california of all the states has the absolute best flag bears are great and i i think that part's good but vax for the win that doesn't rhyme so I'm not sure. I'm not sure that one's that good. But I mean, the the, the lottery, whatever amount, I, it's probably a wise move in terms of money spent. Um, so whatever's getting people vaccinated, because California keeps, particularly Northern California, is hitting milestone after milestone with that, which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. And overall, California is doing pretty well. Right. But there's a follow up to this. Um, uh, it's like layers of an onion with the Darth tweet, which is, and I think this one again. A dis- previously discussed in slack but this didn't occur to me until hours later when i was going to send the link to somebody else and then i scrolled through the replies a little bit <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh there's somebody named sam gavin which seems like a conflict of interest for him to be reporting on somebody named gavin newsom it's too much too much gavins but if you watch the video and you can watch this on silent because i think twitter auto plays it it's 30 seconds from the introduction of gavin newsom and i did not notice in this video you can see shrek is also there but he was not I, he, he got pushed out of the photo which I is kind of rude i was gonna comment on that i didn't realize until re-watching this video now that shrek was there too and and did not get a place in this photo which a real shame so we have gavin here all gelled up and he's he's behind his podium and then he gets interrupted so one when he when he comes out the minions make this noise and it's a very iconic or it's a very distinctive noise, which you probably heard if like you've ever been around children. Mm-hmm. So they, they make that little like the, the squeaky stuff they do. It's a and, beloved noise, maybe. Yeah. And then Gavin goes up to the podium again, not a hair out of place. And then he gets interrupted by Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime. Right. And it's just some dude because like, obviously the person in the costume is not the one talking. So it's just some dude off off. Uh, offset just speaking who, into who hit the recording you know oh it probably was late. recorded that's uh that's smarter and then and gavin has some banter with them but um i also didn't notice that they had kind of like a california lottery style um a little like the whirly thing where you have all the bingo balls inside of it 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's how they've been been picking the winners. Yeah. So the reason I bring this up is I still because I I only watched one episode of it and I didn't wasn't really my taste. But did you ever watch the show Veep? Uh, we the lady friend and I watched that entire series. Yeah. This, from what I have heard about that show, this feels like what Elaine from Science. I forget, I forget what her name is in the show. But like what well, situation she'd get Selena, herself into. Selena Myers in the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like if, yeah, if she, if she I, was going to go onto mm-hmm. a stage where she's interrupted by Optimus Prime presenting novelty checks in front of minions, that that seems very much like something straight out of that show. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> I have been periodically looking at this photo over the last week, just if I need like a little afternoon pick-me-up. I'll I'll look at this photo, chuckle, and then move on. It's, does it's, this, real, it's, does it's this like, have like as much caffeine as a double shot? I'm not sure it does. It, it it's close. It's close. No. Um. Oh woof. Okay. This, <laughs> closing this. Close. Command W. Command W. Um. <laughs> yeah, well, this can sort of be follow out, or this this can be a, a trans a transition. Um. In terms of California elected officials. Uh, is there any anything that you want to warn Nancy Pelosi about that maybe you can text to Tim? <laughs> I think I'll, I'll let Tim do the talking here. Yeah, actually, let me go back to the doc to make sure I'm not taking this out of order. Well, actually, this, this is tangentially right. Okay, so we're going to put a pin in that. We'll talk about something else Apple-related, and then we'll talk about the um, uh, impending uh, regulatory scrutiny of um, companies that went from absolutely no scrutiny to a whole lot real fast because everybody's mm-hmm. mad about different reasons. Right. Uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago that uh, Ted Lasso merchandise was kind of, and this was not our original observation, but that it was a kind of a glaring omission for a show that seems like it has a very, very easy way to merchandise it. Um, and Apple with a very small stable of shows, it seems like it would make sense for them to have it, and it wasn't available. But now in advance of the new season being available in two months... And like, I think it's actually exactly a month from today. I think it's July 23rd. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, you can now get um, Ted Lasso merchandise, and it is on the Warner's Brothers site because media rights. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can get your pint glass. You can get a hoodie, which I'm not sure if that's really a thing for soccer fans. Um, and then you can get a jersey where you can put a number on the back, and it's custom, so you can... Uh, I'm going to skip out on the inappropriate joke I was about to make, but you can, you can put Tim Cook's name on it and you can put a number of your choosing. <laughs> what? Yeah, um, <laughs> you don't know what I was going to say. So. Um, I um, I actually, I, I kind of like this jersey. I, it's probably my, my favorite thing they've put on sale so far. The, the My issue with it, though, is that you can't just leave the back blank. You have to put a name and numbers. I think I would just want mine blank and just almost treat it sort of like a shirt. Well, that's the thing. That's the only complaint I have about this is that this kind of, when it's 60 bucks, but it looks I, like I don't, I'm not a soccer or a footy fan, but they're, this looks kind of just like one of those Nike shirts that you wear while running. Yeah. It doesn't so look like this, a jersey. This, if if you remember when we were talking about this last week, I guess the the announcement had said that I guess because the Premier League updates their actual jerseys, I guess it's like every September or something. 
that they're waiting to put out like the true like the true real jersey or, or kit you know as you and the and the brits would say mm-hmm. um until that that refresh comes out in september so this is sort of like a I don't know how plugged into this you are, but like when you go to sporting events and you go to buy like your official team jersey, there's usually multiple tiers of jerseys where you go from what are basically t-shirts all the way up to like the actual like jerseys. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, they get progressively nicer and progressively more expensive. And my guess is that this is sort of like the equivalent of like one of those lower end type jerseys and that the thing that'll come out in september will be more expensive and and a bit nicer yeah but that also seems like that that misses the the moment uh i mean maybe maybe yeah well but knowing apple will send a push notification to your phone inviting you to buy it and also probably finance it yeah (laughs) Uh um okay and then, yeah, I, I'm not actually sure I have a ton here. I mean, this this is something that we I I need to prepare more for and put um, some links together. But there was there was a there was a big splash made last night, and I do like the picture that they that the Times po- uh, picked of Tim Cook, where he looks like he's lecturing people and saying, "Don't do that." Um, in the past weeks, week and a half, uh, since uh, the trio of antitrust bills targeting large tech companies dropped that were a bipartisan effort between Ken Buck and what's what's uh Cicilline's first name mm, sorry to put you on the spot you. that's no, sorry um yeah apparently there's been a uh lobbying blitz in Washington uh to um push back on those which which is which is not in it inherently wrong the one part, which is the thing that made tech meme and that was the lead of the story, was that Tim Cook, uh, I forget, again, I always forget our policy if, if first names mean good or bad, but Tim called Nancy Pelosi, um, who is, is she out of San Francisco? What's, what's, what area, what, what district yeah, San, does she cover? Yeah. San Francisco. Yeah, yeah he, he called her and uh, gave her a warning that these bills were, quote, rushed and that they uh, would stifle innovation. Um, so yeah, he gave a, a warning to a, a government official. So that's, that, that's always a good sign of a healthy company. I, this, here's the thing that's tricky about all this. And again, we'll flesh this out in another episode, but these are bad bills in a lot of ways, but I'm not really sure how they, the tech companies get out of this. And specifically with Apple, the part that is trickier is that this problem is entirely of their own making where they could have entirely been left out of this conversation for the most part if there wasn't so much of the um just trying to squeeze profit out of every corner of the walled garden that apple has so overall like i mean kind of like we talked about the thing where under these bills, a logical interpretation of it would mean that Apple would have to decouple almost all of the pre-installed applications from the phone because like that that just doesn't work. And same thing where it seems like I think uh, Ben Thompson had this in his daily update recently where 
Amazon under even some of the less strict proposals would have to either like divest themselves of like the echo unit or would have to sell their entire logistics department to somebody else. Like, I don't know. It just, it's weird that it didn't have to get this way. And the, the whole like last ditch effort of trying to, because now Amazon and Google are doing the whole Facebook thing where they try to just say, Oh, Hey, now you're about to hurt small business because small businesses are who we enable where it just like, it didn't have to be this way. And now Congress, which is the least capable of understanding technology and making forward looking uh, regulation is going to probably do something dumb, but the tech companies had it coming. I don't know. I don't have a more nuanced opinion than that, but that's, yeah, the the whole, uh, the, the, the warning that Tim Cook's given out is kind of, kind of was not great news yesterday. Yeah, I mean, we we got into this, I guess, last week or the week before, whenever that was, about how an article like this could have easily been, you know, the 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 um, kind of subheading here, you know, includes Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. Like, the, it could have easily just been Amazon, Facebook, and Google if mm-hmm. Apple had done a few things differently. But but you know, we we've we've gotten gotten into that. Um, I mean, I don't know. I guess the other sort of immediate reaction i i had to this article when it came out yesterday was yeah of course of course tim cook is making these calls i'm not i mean it's it's flashy news so i get like why it you know it bubbled up to the top of tech meme and other places yesterday but like yeah of course of course he's making these calls this is like a really big deal for the company and you know tim cook's going to get personally involved like no like i don't i'm not really sure if that's that's not really surprising in any way i don't think it's shocking but it, but it, it does feel like and again there's i mean you, we don't have a verbatim transcript of it but it doesn't feel like that that's the 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 way it's being framed isn't really that of a healthy company where basically your 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 move is to then threaten uh elected officials over what any regulatory push will mean for like the United States, like that. I don't know. That that, that seems like a very. I, I guess maybe my my complaint is that it's so at odds with the public persona that Apple tries to put on the company, where when the then you get the internal emails, and you get all the stuff from the Epic trial, and you get this. It I don't know. It it, it does a lot to undo any po- goodwill or positive impression or or brand image that they might have. And I, and I understand that we probably think of it like, or, or I mean, you're probably more on this track than I am, but that Apple is just like, again, kind of like the Mitt Romney thing, like I'm not going to pay more taxes than I'm legally required to. Very much that Apple, you you think that Tim Cook has a fiduciary duty to maximize shareholder revenue and all that kind of stuff, and that he just needs to do whatever makes Apple the most money. Is that kind of it? Or is that not true? No, I mean, I, I think there's there's something to that. But I, I, I just, I, I, my complaint is that that's so at odds, and I understand this is now complaining about marketing, but that's so at odds with what Apple tries to portray themselves as, and when Apple tries to talk about their, um, uh, like social justice efforts and all this other kind of stuff, it rings hollow when ultimately when it comes down to it, it's just that, yeah, yeah, we're here, we're here to make money and we're just going to, we're going to exploit and leverage every possible advantage we possibly have until the government tells me we, we can't. And then now that overall will probably 
make consumers in the company and in the country worse off because it's going to be ham-fisted leg- uh, regulation, but it's because the company did it to themselves. Yeah. The the part the part of that New York Times story that came out yesterday, which will be in the notes that I, <laughs> that I did like, was um, it was reported that um, Ms. Pelosi pushed back on Mr. Cook's concerns about the bills. And when Mr. Cook asked for a delay in the Judiciary Committee's process of considering the bills, Ms. Pelosi pushed him to identify specific policy objections to the measures, which which I I, I appreciate. I appreciate the be more specific response. That's well, cause that's because that's, that's a that's a time tested strategy of being it, like so. So why are we talking? Yeah, you can really like you can really quickly sort of like. Because you could see Tim Cook trying to go into that conversation sort of, I mean, Nancy Pelosi's not going to be intimidated, but just sort of like, I don't know, you could see him trying to sort of take the high ground, I guess, for lack of a better mm-hmm. way of putting it. And that's a really shrewd way to kind of turn the tables back on him. Because I'm, I'm sure he didn't come to that call with, you know, sort of like specific language from the bill that he objected to. And so I, I, I like I like that strategy. I well, appreciated that part of this. It's, and also, it's a very much a parenting thing, kind of. Like, I mean, it's yeah, like, yeah, it's like yeah. okay, well, fine. Explain to me, explain what, what you <laughs> right. find objectionable about this. Please please tell me why you shouldn't go to bed right now. And because <laughs> uh, I don't want to. It's, it's kind of not a fair response. And also, <laughs> is, is that a, his official position? Yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> I, like I like my 30%. Anyway, yeah. it's, it's silly and it's probably going to end <laughs> horribly but well you know i hashtag did it to yourself so one of the one of the primary i guess concerns i have about sort of just the whole process that's happening right now is trying to lump amazon apple facebook and google kind of all together Mm -hmm. is because their offenses are so wide they're they're only linked by the fact that they're tech companies but they're all doing terrible things in drastically different ways exactly yeah that's why like it remember like when when um congress had that hearing last yes. year where and it was just like did i mean the questions were all over the place i mean well i mean part because you know congress doesn't understand technology but the mm-hmm. other part is that you know the the questions you ask of google are so different than amazon mm-hmm. and so different than facebook you know it's um in case people didn't listen to it, I'll try to find an episode number, but there was a very good episode of the talk show when those congressional hearings happened um, with Neelai Patel. Oh, Where, yeah. Yeah. It was episode th- was it? Uh, episode 291 of the talk show, and I'll, send, I'll DM you with a link. That one had really good discussions, and he specifically uh, talked about why they they all have such dramatically different problems and while they're monopolistic in several ways it's just uh entirely different where having one hearing just turns into a gigantic dog and pony show because you're never going to drill down into the actual reasons why they're doing american consumers wrong basically right yeah okay um you got anything else with that uh no but but probably more to come. Yeah. Yep. TK. All right. Uh, this is a reminder again. I'm not, I'm off Twitter, but Darth is still the best. Um, 
one tweet that was exceptionally good that I did want to call out in the uh, the show notes. Um, I think I put it in the ideas folder. Yes, I did. Put it over here. Uh, and this goes to a larger concept that I've, I feel like I've been a champion of for a while, and I want to get your take on it. So responding to just one of kind of those Twitter prompts that people will throw out into the ether um, of what is your favorite part of friendship? Let's be cute, apparently. Uh, he put individual orders of fries plus one for the table. So which, which, is, which is smart and very on brand for Darth. But I feel like uh, ordering things for the table is one of the most underused and uh, highest ROI moves that you can have in all of life. What is, what is, your, what is your thought? Uh, I, I agree. And I think, you know, back when, when you, we used to go to restaurants together, I think we, we followed this strategy. Oh, most definitely. But, but it, it, it works in all situations. Nobody's ever mad that there are, there are fries or appetizers or there's snacks or there's, or there's burrata or there's, there's something going on in the middle of the table where when either the food's taking too long or, or something's happening, nobody, nobody's mad that that, that exists there. Well, and if, you know, if, you've, if you're with someone who's mad that there are French fries or burrata on the table, then, I mean, you're, you're just with the wrong people. Well, yeah, exactly. And that's when you, yeah, you just, you, they, you just never see them again, <laughs> basically. Or, well, first, well, no, one, you thank them profusely because you then got extra fries because they didn't want to touch them. And then you're just like, yeah, this, 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 this wasn't worth it. <laughs> it's good knowing you. But yeah, but this is great. And then he has been on tear for a little bit. He had a whole thing about Megan McCain, which I which I was worried again, not on Twitter, not going back on Twitter. But I'd asked you kind of what's his deal now that uh, the tenor and the the political discourse has changed slightly. Um, I like that he still finds things to get mad about. Um, and this this was a very not not a dumb example, but it was a very dumb thing that he, he cited. And yeah, Darth is just the best, and I'm I'm, I'm happy he's still around. Yeah, Darth, Darth is really good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The next part we can skip. Uh. Actually, do you one metric? This this is all over the place, and because we're light on content this week, this is gonna be a messy show. Do you have a good source for? We talked about the New York Times coronavirus tracker last week. Do you have a good source for? What I want to know more these days is, uh, new uh, new cases, but with the uh the caveat or the disclaimer of in vaccinated versus unvaccinated people. Do you have a data source on that? I don't. And I'm not sure there is a good one because I, I think it, this came out a little while ago that the CDC basically told states that they could basically not pay attention to asymptomatic or mild symptom cases. Uh, of vaccinated people that they were really now only interested in cases that led to hospitalization or worse. Mm. So I don't know. I don't know if there's really good tracking on um, on cases in fully vaccinated people. Hmm. That's, that's been the one thing that I've wanted to know. As there's not rumors is the wrong word, but that there's slight worry about different variants and things like that moving around. But kind of what the actual um impact that is for vaccinated versus unvaccinated folks right i mean it's it seems like there is sort of broad monitoring that's happening and there aren't any worrying trends i guess at least so far which i i guess i get i guess is is best evidenced by the fact that i think hospitalizations sort of you know continue to be 
overwhelmingly um, unvaccinated people. Yeah. So you'll just have to keep me uh, apprised of what Bob's tweeting. Oh yeah, that, that's that, that's the go-to source. Yeah, yeah. from his iPad though. He um he had a he had a I don't know if this was a tweet or where he posted this today, but I guess he was like back in the um, UCSF offices for the first time today, mm-hmm. and he was looking at scheduling um, a conference room, and it's like he goes to the to the thing, and it was still pulled up on the second week of March 2020. And it was just, yeah, just one of those things where it's like, yeah, the, so many things did just sort of like, you know, pause at that point in time and are just kind of starting to unpause very slowly. Yeah. Well, actually I, I think that's an, uh, an accidental good, um, segue to fo- uh, follow out, which again, I think is trademark also still John Syracuse. We talked about this online, offline, but I, I there there was a discussion with uh, on Upgrade this week about Apple's return to work plan, and we talked about this on the show, right? I don't, you know, Carlos. It's so much of the it's offline, okay. online, 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 mm. and and now offline, offline um, conversations. Yeah, so much that's, of that that's... just sort of blurs together now. Yeah, but that's mostly just me taking cocktails for free. <laughs> Which again, I I I, I kind of resent that you don't have a parklet out there yet, where I can just uh, pick up a. Well, can we can we we can edit oh, this mean, out? Oh, you mean in the in the front yard, just set up like a little little to go thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to to go cocktails are still allowed here in California at least through the end of the year. So yeah, actually, I'm gonna br- I'm gonna make this. I'm gonna ruin the episode uh, where I have I have a very uh, I have a question that's entirely only relevant to me. Mm, okay. So you sent me a link at the end of last week's show because you gave me a very good cocktail that I wanted to recreate at home. But so the the brand of the is this just like flavor syrup? What 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 is this? Uh, so you're talking about muddle the, and wild with an e. Yeah, it's it's a um, it's like an infused syrup. Yeah. So I got a problem with this, mm. which is that you go to their website muddleandwild.com. Um, the one that you said was necessary for this one is it, was it the tamarind lime chili de arbol? Correct. Okay. Right. So if you go to their website, uh, please note we have a minimum order of $42. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can't just buy a bottle. I don't, I mean, mildly annoying, but I mean, okay, that's fine. But then you'd think like, okay, but they also have these three bottle gift boxes, which are mm. conveniently priced $45. But none of the gift boxes have that one. Mm. And even if you go to shop, choose your own flavors, that's not one of them. So I don't know what to do. Well, you mean this flavor is not available on their website? Is that what you're saying? It is, but only if you buy it separately and you have to buy three that you don't want in order to meet their minimum. You can't even just like, it's not even like for free shipping. You literally can't buy only one. Well, you and I can talk after the show. We, we can We can figure out something there. Yeah, but I, we I, could because this we go through there's that. There's a bartering system. Okay. Well, we go through that syrup here somewhat quickly because that that drink tends to be kind of a, a a crowd favorite. I mean, not that we're having like tons and tons of people over, but you know, having some people over now. So all right, so this will be like um, a so going, we, we can t- we can talk after this will be going like a going in on season tickets type thing. Okay, got uh, it. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm already. I actually, you know, I 
I've been meaning to check out this website for a while, so we'll, we'll put this in the notes. Um, well, when you originally got it, did you was uh, are you buying these in person, or do you just buy enough of it where the three item minimum has never been an issue? I've only ever bought these from SpiritWorks. I've never bought them from this company directly. Oh, I could just do that because yeah, Grimville's a nice drive. Yeah, you could do that too. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, the the follow up thing. So we talked <laughs> we talked about um, a bunch of employees that apparently are just all chit chatting all day, and then a Slack channel had a thing on Apple where they sent a letter to the CEO, and I guess a bunch of people at Apple, or not a bunch of people, a a, sm- a very small percentage of the workforce that banded together to write a letter to the CEO, are complaining about Tim Cook's RTO plan, where isn't this his deal? He wants three days in the office, two days at home, and there's like an exemption for you can take two weeks at home throughout the calendar year or something. Right. And then I'm pretty sure on the show we cited that uh, John Gruber had a very good take on it, which is that for the most part, companies aren't democracies. And this was a very poorly uh, written, drafted letter. And that overall, I mean, everybody was aware going in that Apple's a very, very in-person company. And that the pandemic wasn't necessarily going to change that once things start to return to normal. And I guess my only complaint would be that, so the reason this gets brought up is that upgrade this week had a long discussion of it. And Jason, who who who's, who is a very thoughtful person and is very much a pro work from home or are also freelance uh, journalists. Like, I mean, he has a whole sh- a podcast called free agents, uh, which talks about how to work from home and be your own boss and all that kind of stuff. Like it's very much his uh, area of interest, but he, I don't know, he had a, a, a unique take to this, which I didn't necessarily agree with, but that was an interesting discussion. So the reason I bring it up is that people should listen to it, but I guess to the broader discussion, because I don't, I don't, I don't think it's, it's super useful to just talk about another show and, and their take on it, but as companies try to reevaluate and, and draft what their plans are for getting people back into the office... I think we're fairly similar in our ideas of that full-on remote work all the time and the people that feel that they are entitled to that period full stop is kind of unrealistic and maybe not great and is it maybe discounting the needs of the company is that fair-ish? Yeah, I mean the the entitled thing is is where I I probably have the biggest issue with this um you know i i i think it's well i mean this is not a very hot take but obviously this this whole return to office idea is super super complicated and the answers to how to solve the questions that come up around it will vary dramatically from company to company and even you know within different teams within the same company but I, I do think sort of the wrong angle to come at this from really either direction, like from the um, employee direction of thinking like, you know, I now have sort of like a right to work from home. Um, and then from the um, employer direction of, you know, sort of almost like, not acknowledging the last year and a half almost in any way like i think it's it's coming at coming at this problem from either of those perspectives is is going to lead to 
you know, not, not really being able to successfully, you know, work, work through all of this as a, as an organization. That's, that's a good way of putting it. Cause I, I guess like one of my biggest complaints is that a lot of people who are super dead set on the, well, everything's been fine. So therefore this is, this is the proof that offices are dumb is not just because things didn't entirely like the the plane didn't fall apart in midair to to unretire one of our favorite uh phrases on the show like that doesn't mean it's necessarily the ideal way to work so just because things didn't end catastrophically by having people work from home, from home i think after over a year like i feel like the the remote work advocates are going to be the loudest voices in all this and so a lot of the people who maybe miss the camaraderie of the office or they find that being a new hire in a mostly remote situation kind of sucks and you don't get the mentorship or leadership you need and just staring into a webcam for eight to 12 hours a day kind of sucks and i feel like the people who are loudest about this are still probably a minority and the fact that you can say that well it was everything was mostly okay isn't necessarily intellectually honest and it's also very selfish but also i mean to your point the people who are like well no the everybody's vaccinated get get butts in seats and we want middle managers to earn their worth by just just looking at a sea of people in like in an open plan office like that's also very different but yeah i mean i i still get grouchy about the in entitlement of people who are just 100% advocates for well I don't like sitting in a car or on BART or on the what, 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 your your insert regional transportation system here I don't like commuting and everything's fine for me so therefore yeah I should have the option to stay home and even if the rest of my team wants to go back to work or if the rest of my team is indifferent to it I should be able to work from home and everything's great Yeah, it's it's um it it's such a it's such a nuanced problem to have to work through. Um I mean, obviously there are health considerations particularly in the kind of shorter and, and medium term, you know, there are just sort of like and you I think you brought this point offline online too of like even when you when you do try to be more nuanced about it like if you, if you try to come up with different policies like for different teams and that sort of actually then can create other problems where you have teams sort of maybe resenting each other because one has a has a policy that that you prefer more than the policy that your team has so it's 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 a really it's a really complicated problem um i mean one thing that i sort of think maybe got a little missed on that episode of of upgrade like well maybe a couple of things is one is that like this actually is like a really really big change for apple Mm -hmm. i mean the idea that apple would have created a policy like this pre-pandemic was completely unthinkable so you know it actually is a is a pretty big change and obviously you know 
all happened within the span of a year and a half, which, you know, in the grand scheme of, of changing company culture is, is pretty quick. Um, and then the other thing is that, I mean, I, I don't think the policy's that off the mark, you know, I, I think some kind of hybrid work schedule, like what they're introducing is actually probably what a lot of companies are going to do. And I, and I think for many companies and for many teams, like that type of setup will work quite well. And in, in some ways can sort of be the best of, of both worlds. Um, you know, I, I think mandating like specific days for one or the other company wide is, is maybe not the right approach. And I think having that, that two week allowance thing, which I actually did sort of agree with Jason's point there, which is like, that, that like that sort of comes across as almost like oh okay so like is that like are you giving employees like a staycation like is it like <laughs> it almost it almost implies that like oh yeah when you work from home for an extended period of time you're not actually working um <laughs> so that part of it i think was probably an unforced error but the, the the core policy of it of three days in the office two days at home like that's i think that's that's close to the right answer for in, in a lot of cases and they just they didn't quite get the details right yeah, like, I mean, again, I, I'm somebody who my life has been at fault for always demanding credit for things or I mean, for, for wanting to, to have credit for effort being shown. And I think that is a huge move for Apple because it is not where some companies have been very much like, no, butts in seats and let's get back to normal. Again, show your vaccination card and let's just let's move on. This, this is different. And, and, and Apple, as, as again, for all its faults and for Tim being kind of a overall, I think probably is going to be recognized as maybe not not a great CEO for what once everything shakes out but like yeah, this is a, this is a big move and then the the last part that I keep forgetting to to bring up what was it, what was the other bit about this um what was it oh the the talent pool thing where it, the part with that that's kind of a, a vaguely annoying and I, if you can please find the the link to the verge article where somebody leaked the internal memo um to them that when leadership makes a decision like this, they 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 know that hey, some companies will be going remote, remote first, and that uh, tech hiring is an in demand field. And if you don't, if you have a policy where you still have to live within an hour or whatever of Cupertino, or also something that wasn't really cited on Upgrade, Apple has campuses all over the U.S. It's not just you have to be in the Bay Area, but anyway. That if you're unwilling to be in a job that has you in office 60% or more of your time, then you are somebody who will be looking for employment elsewhere. And then when, when a company make that has uh, tens of thousands of HQ employees, like there, there's a calculation being made about, hey, what is our ability to recruit the best and the brightest and the people who are going to contribute the most to this company? And how many people are we losing or going to alienate by not adopting a very flexible uh, remote work strategy? And I think like that's in, that's part of the calculation. So you just have to balance that. And if you, if Apple finds or a big company finds that the value of having people like butts in seats and people who can have uh, happenstance conversations just around the hall is going to create better products or services or something. Then that that's a calculation that they're making, and that and that's fine. But that's that's again where 
when people try to suggest that that hasn't been thought of or that's not maybe a calculated casualty of the policy is maybe just not really thinking it through. Like, again, I get that people really want a certain thing. And that's why people have that's why there are many jobs in this economy like that, that you can you can if you cherish a certain level of freedom or autonomy or whatever, like that's fine. But the company gets to have a certain say in what the direction they think it will be is and the externalities and, and the unintended impacts of that are like the chips will fall where they may. Yeah. Yeah. That's well said. All right. New stuff. Uh, this is uh old Ryan time or new. I forget what, I forget what the term was of when you, when you spend money <laughs> on stuff that, um, that maybe have has, has slipped past the, uh, the purchase gatekeeper. <laughs> no, she, she's, um, it's a row. She, it's, 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 they're like 180, aren't they? Yeah, she was a little more um, taken aback by the price of the move. <laughs> the Rome, the Rome was okay. The move is a home security system, <laughs> right? It's like having a baseball bat under the bed, right? Um, so yeah, so I, I can, as I put in the in the notes here, I, I've continued my what's become sort of proud tradition of buying Sonos products that I previously said I would I would never buy. Um. I'm sure there's there's tape out there of me saying I would never buy anything from Sonos because of, you know, price and whatever else. And then, you know, I got those Sonos ones and then, you know, they started doing the surround sound stuff. And I'm like, well, I'm, yeah, I'm never going to do that. And then I bought a beam and then I'm like, well, okay, fine. I've got the sound bar, but I'm never going to do like the full surround sound. And then now that's what I've got. And so, yeah, it's... It's 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 a problem, but it, it's a good problem. I mean, it, having this whole home audio setup now, where like I really do, basically have a Sonos speaker in in almost every room in the house now. It's it's really nice. It's really really nice, um, especially when you have company over. Um, it's 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 great, um, but but yeah. So I I bought I bought a Rome, which is I guess to recap what that is is it's it's sonos's newest speaker it's a it's another portable speaker so it's kind of the the second one they've done there after the move it's significantly smaller and meant to be more portable than the move and as you mentioned is also quite a bit cheaper It's, it's less than half the price and it's it's really it's really great um Sound quality, as all the initial reviews that came out about it said, is is fantastic. You know, it's it's got a really good amount of bass, like more bass than you'd expect from a speaker of its size, but not not like in the Beats sort of way where it's it's too <laughs> much bass. Uh, it, it's it's a it's a good amount of bass, sort of like how I described the the Sono Sub, where it just it adds the the right amount of of bass. Um, it's USB-C, which is great. And, um, and for some weird reason, it's wireless charging as well. So it does offer Qi charging. The really sort of niche problem that I have with that is that, um, so the, the I guess maybe I'll take a step back. The way that I justified both the move and the roam is that I have a, like a permanent place for them where they're going to be most of the time. 
Um, and then I also have sort of a, a use case for um, kind of the portability, which I'll, which I'll get to in a second. And so in the case of the Rome, it's permanent place is my bedside table. So I had a really, really old, maybe even like first generation um, Echo Dot in the room before that I had been kind of wanting to replace for quite some time. And so this, the Sonos Rome replaced that. So it's on my bedside table and the, the Qi charger is sort of like on the side of the speaker. Cause like you can orient the speaker either vertically or horizontally when you're using it. And so that with the Qi charger, you have to have it vertical. Whereas on my bedside table, I just want it horizontal. So the Qi charger doesn't really work in my particular case. So I just have it plugged in, you know, via USB-C. Um, it has um, NFC, which, which I didn't know prior to setting it up. And then, because that, that's what happens is when you open the Sonos app, it's like, hey, hold your phone like on this specific place of the Rome, and then we'll basically do the whole setup for you. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I, I dug into it a little bit more after, and it turns out that that's literally all the the NFC chip in it is used for is that initial setup process. There's nothing well, yeah, nothing so else it's used for. Similar where uh, almost all Sonos products include Bluetooth, but it's only for the purpose of Bluetooth LE to aid in setup, and it doesn't actually work as a Bluetooth speaker. Right. Um, whereas the Rome, obviously, you know, very very much does. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess it it actually has sort of a, a unique feature to it, which the Move does not, which is it can actually be, you can actually simultaneously connect to it via Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. Not exactly sure what the use case for that would be. Wait, but, sorry, um, explain that again. So you can have a phone connected to it via Bluetooth and another phone connected just via, like playing music via Wi-Fi. Um, whereas like, you know, the mo the Move very much has like, tell, it just... Yeah. It has a very distinct like Wi-Fi mode, mode versus Bluetooth mode. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, so it, and and the the um, the other thing it can do too that's a little little fancier than the Move is you can you can pair it with other Sonos speakers via Bluetooth. So you can create like a stereo pair with another Roam or with a Move, and you can do that via bluetooth which i which i guess would be handy like if you were out of wi-fi range at your home or if you were somewhere and didn't want to reset up the wi-fi in your speakers but you still wanted to have a stereo pair i don't know it seems like a very kind of edge case but it's it's something you can do um, um and it, it also has that thing where you can hold down the play button next to another one of your Sonos speakers and it'll sort of like pass off the audio to that other speaker. I haven't tried that, but I, and I don't know when exactly I would use that. Um, but, but anyway, I guess to, to move on to stuff I'm actually using this for. So I mentioned it's a bedside table speaker. Now, obviously a huge improvement from the, from the echo dot, um, in terms of sound quality, <laughs> low um, bar. very low bar. And then the other reason I really wanted to to get the Rome was that, you know, the Move has been a really, really great speaker for the backyard, especially when I'm, you know, watching TV in the backyard or I'm just sort of like sitting in this little, sit, you know, seating area that we have. But the the area where it didn't work as well is like when we were in the pool. 
um it's it's you know it's water resistant the move is but mm-hmm. it's like not something you would want to like fall in the pool or something <laughs> yeah um, like i think it would be okay still but not not something you want to test with like a 400 dollars speaker uh whereas the the rome has a higher quality or um higher like rated water resistance it's like ip7 instead of five or something like that so you can actually like you know fully submerge this thing and it's just no big deal so you can have this like right next to the pool or i mean like literally even like with you on a float or something in the pool and then not really worry about it which is really really nice and then what i also did this past weekend was when we had some family in, in the backyard was kind of had the move at one end of the backyard and then the roam at the other end. And that really made for sort of a nice sort of like whole backyard music setup. So, so yeah, I really, I really like this thing. Um, I I guess the other part of it too, that really made me start thinking about it was I went on this weekend trip last month and brought the move with me and it was fine. And it actually does kind of fit sort of perfectly um, in the um, uh, what the heck? What the heck's the company that we buy all the bags from? Away Peak Peak Design. Oh yeah, um, it it fits nicely um, in the backpack I have from them, but it it's pretty big it's and bulky. Pretty big. Yeah, to to bring with you. So I'm thinking for situations like that in the future, the the Rome would be a you know, much better option for that. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, I think, like I said, probably (laughs) before buying this thing was that, you know, you can get really good sounding Bluetooth speakers that are about the same size for, you know, way less money, but I don't know. I'm, I'm so entrenched in the Sonos ecosystem now that, that having another one of these speakers and having it, you know, go in the kind of the one main room of the house that didn't have one yet was kind of a nice way to, um, complete the whole home setup here and you know for the backyard stuff too uh, this 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 was not helpful so so uh, a couple things so the verge when they initially reviewed this kind of panned the audio quality you're saying it's pretty good for the size i i think it's really good yeah Didn't, don't um, you have the like you uh, there was a speaker you recommended it was kind of like the anchors version of like the bose sound like mini right yeah mm-hmm. this sounds better than that yeah i guess i haven't really put them side by side but but yeah i, I would say so so i guess the thing i want to highlight here uh is that i think it's a really astute point that you make is that so i have this has kind of been the year of road trips and i and i took two trips earlier this year where i brought the move with me and you're absolutely right. The, the move is very big. Like it's and heavy. Oh, again, that's where the home security thing comes in. Like it's, it's really, really dense and heavy. And like, it's too big. Like I, it, it takes up like a third of the space in an away suitcase in, in like the, the shoe compartment. So yeah, it's, it's like, it's great for, like in my case, yeah. bringing it to the backyard, or like I can imagine for you, like on your on your deck or something. Yeah, you got a blast marketplace. Yeah, I mean, like no, yeah, I mean you're absolutely right. Like I bring it where I'm like, oh yeah, well again, this is unglamorous, but hey, I'm cleaning the bathroom. Like I'm, I want to sure. listen to a podcast. Sure, and I'm gonna bring the the move with me. Like it's good, but like I because I I am gonna be traveling again soon, and I'm like, 
no, I'm just maybe I'll just bring my noise canceling headphones because the move is just it's too heavy and big for the utility you get of it out of home. And my the reason I was never going to consider a Rome was the fact that uh, the Verge had said, yeah, sound quality is pretty pretty not great. So this this is this is concerning. You're, you, well, you're suggesting so you, that it's because like I mean you have to keep your your expectations in line with what it actually is. But like you're saying it sounds pretty good for what it is. Yeah, I'm and I'm not I'm definitely not an audio. Well, but but you know what sounds okay. But, like yeah. I mean if it if it cuz like a lot of speakers just like the HomePod Mini like it sounds like trash. But the Bose sound like Mini, like you had that speaker, right? I did. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that that thing sounded great for the size. Like it doesn't get super loud, but it sounds good. Right. Do would you say this is in that league or no? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's been a while mm. since I had that that bonus. Oh, this Bose, <laughs> bonus. Jeez. All right. Thank you. This makes show titling so much easier. Yeah, that, that's that's what I'm here for. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think you're maybe a little more picky about sound quality yeah. than me, but um, but yeah, I I I think it sounds. I think it sounds pretty good. Um, Why are you doing? This? You know. I kind of, I also sort of maybe buried the lead a bit, although this is also maybe not even really a Rome specific thing. And it's more of just like a Sonos thing, which is the whole way that you play music to your Sonos devices is such a better experience than messing around with Bluetooth speakers. Well, you mean when it's inside your house as an AirPlay destination? Exactly. Like Bluetooth is still... It's just so unreliable and kind of finicky and slow. And, you know, (laughs) now with Sonos, either, you know, playing directly through the Sonos app or through AirPlay, which, you know, I finally, after how many years has AirPlay been out? Like, I think finally AirPlay is at a point where it's it's pretty rock solid. Kind of. I mean, yeah, it still has its little things here and there, but still not to the same degree that I think Bluetooth does. And so just the experience of, of starting music is is really nice. And, and Sonos sort of like, they really do think through things and sort of have a level of um, integration with all the different services that they plug into that you wouldn't expect. Like this was sort of a a thing that I tried um, over the weekend when I, when I said that I had the Rome and the move playing in the backyard, I, I, you know, opened Apple music and started playing, playing some music and then, you know, airplayed to both speakers in the backyard. And then at some point I decided to change what we were listening to, but I just did that with, um, the lady in a can that that I the Amazon voice assistant that I have connected to my Sonos speakers, and I was like, "Huh," and it was it was the Rome that picked it picked up the voice command, and I'm like, "Huh," I wonder if it will still continue to play the same music to the Move as well, since since music was playing to both speakers, you know, before I issued this voice command, and it totally did, which is. Which is surprising because it's like you're talking about initially kicking off music through Apple Music via AirPlay, and then you're changing that music with you know a completely different voice service, and it all just kind of works like you expect it to. Which which I I thought was I thought that was pretty impressive. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I really I really do like how I can 
very just seamlessly switch between the Sonos app, Apple Music, and then using my voice. And I never like, I never have to like, this is like the, the thing with like the Harmony remotes, right? Where it's sort of like, if you kick off your TV watching via Harmony remote, you've got to kind of stick with that. Whereas like, if you don't use the Harmony remote and you use say like the Siri remote, for example, it's like, well, then trying to then pick up the Harmony remote and using that kind of midstream gets kind of weird. Um, and that's totally not how Sonos is. Like Sonos is like almost agnostic with how you're controlling the speakers and you can sort of flip between all these different modes. And that's, you know, like, like another example, right? You kick off something via AirPlay. If you go into the Sonos app, you can control the music there just as if you had natively, you know, kicked off your music from within the Sonos app. Like it's just, it's all just really slick and well thought out which you know it should be for the price and stuff but um but it's good yeah yeah sonos is pretty good um <laughs> and also to take it back a second uh the the uh, sonos is backing the regulation of big tech <laughs> that's I, I, right i forget where that was where that came from but that might have been a week ago yeah this is not helpful thanks bud um, but the, 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 luckily for me, because again, I'm going to, it's, it's fairly near term travel. It's not going to ship in time. Both Best Buy is back ordered. Amazon doesn't have it for order and it's not going to ship until July 9th from Sonos. So, uh, luckily so that there was, work out. there's actually another, I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm mean, sorry to hear it's back order, but I'm oh, no, glad you rem reminded me <laughs> um, because so I, I had ordered one from, um, have you heard of the site Wellbots? No, it sounds like a Gwyneth Paltrow thing. <laughs> they get they get linked to like via Engadget and some others for like deals that they do. And I think I I, I had bought that latest August smart lock through them, and it it was you know it was fine. What um, is so this? It, it's just like a they sell like e scooters. A, this 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 website looks sketchy. It does look kind of sketchy, but it it seems to be legit. Um. So I, I had, you know, I when I had tried to order the Rome initially, yeah, like everywhere was sold out. Like Sonos really seems to have a problem with keeping products in stock, especially new ones. But um, Wellbots was a, a little more ambiguous in terms of what their delivery date was going to be. And they sort of made it seem like it was going to be a bit more quicker than what like Amazon and Sonos directly and Best Buy were saying. So I, I gave a shot ordering through them and it just, it just never shipped and i happened to check best buy's website again one day and it was like oh you know your local your local store has has it in stock like for same day pickup and i was like oh okay you know that's that's cool but then there was another option where not only could i do you know the whole in-store pickup thing same day i could actually have it shipped to my house same day for free and I thought, well, okay, yeah. I, I mean, I guess, I guess I'll do that. And sure enough, I ordered it at I don't know nine o'clock in the morning or something, and by six o'clock that evening, it was on my doorstep. It was facilitated through this company, shipped. Yeah, the Target company. Oh, is that was that what that is? Yeah, they're the majority investor. Their biggest backer is Target, and they handle all the same day uh, deliveries through Target. Got it. Um, and sure enough, like when you looked at the, you know, postage label on it, which kind of looked like just how like a UPS label would look, the return address was 
was my local, you know, Best Buy. So it like literally had, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, so I, I mean, I thought that was, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. So. Well, that's cool. That's cool. I, cause yeah, I I thought this project was gonna be a dud where I've been worried that some, not, not brand dilution, but they're just trying to do too much, but I'm, 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 I'm pleased to hear that it doesn't stink. And I, you know, the other thing now too, I kind of have a, a funny setup, which I think like Marco would be horrified by. I, so I, you know, we're, we're heavily invested as a household in the, the Amazon voice assistant. It's the only Mm -hmm. voice assistant we have in the home. And, and I, I generally really like it. I've got all my voice command stuff set up through that, but I no longer own a single like first First party party, Amazon product. It's all, it's all Sonos stuff now. Interesting. Uh, Which is, yeah, I'm, I, don't know how many of us out there there are i actually this may be a pivot to another conversation have you are you just against uh voice assistants with screens because i assume you've considered it from time to time i'm not but the the lady friend is yeah but like even if you like because i one well I, i have a complaint about so the echo show which i've talked about a couple of times we're going on three months of it being entirely broken where it's just a black screen most of the day. So don't take that as part of this, but I mean, you can mostly when it's working, uh, just make it like a digital photo frame. Still, still a no go. It's a no go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think there's a good, a good place for something like that in our kitchen. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but yeah, that's, that's been a, been a non-starter. There's a, um, (laughs) A very strong um, no screen in the kitchen policy, which was I think yeah. I'm sure we talked about this on the show. We had to kind of work through that when when doing you know when doing the kitchen remodel, which I was in favor of too. I mean, I I also wait. didn't want some you know 20 inch screen add, on add, the refrigerator or something. Wait, add more but, detail. Wait, wait, what do you mean? You had to work through that? Well, I think I mentioned this on the show. Oh, like, it was go, very difficult to find and, a, an appliance that didn't have a bunch of smart home bullshit that's going to be. Uh, like running Android 2.4 and like hacked in three years. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, seriously, like next time you're you're in a Best Buy or something. Oh no, I, like, I whenever I'm at the the Home Depot, I will casually mosey through the home appliance section. I'm like, what is all this? Android it's it's all screens, <laughs> and it's it's and it and they're everywhere. Like, I mean, like going into the kitchen remodel, like I knew about the refrigerator thing. Like, I, I was familiar with a lot of those having screens on them. Washing but machines it, are now trying to be wa- smart. Washing like, machines, oh. um, even ranges now, like. Trying to buy a, a, a you know a range without a screen was was challenging um, because you need a recipe app and on on your on your cooktop or your stovetop. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, but I, I am actually I am kind of into the idea of um, of having you know a, a kind of a screen based device in the kitchen and then also have it as you said function as a picture frame when it's not being actively used. It's um, it's really nice to be able to see your timers. That would be really it's, nice. I think the the one concern I'd have with that setup potentially is that, you know, so I mean, we have a relatively small house and where like our kitchen is, is basically in the same space as where the Sonos beam is. And I could just imagine a lot of scenarios where you go to set a timer in the kitchen because you want to be able to see it on the screen and the beam responds to it. Cause that actually even happens occasionally between my Sonos beam and Sonos arc, which are actually in two separate rooms, although they're in, you know, ad- adjacent rooms Maybe. where 
sometimes that the wrong one will pick up your command. Maybe it's just because I have all first party echoes. Mine are pretty good about deciding which one picks. So the echo spot I, in the kitchen and the echo show at my office desk, it, it knows which one to pick up. But I don't know if Sonos ones know how to like uh, delicately drop the command if it feels like something they, got a better They signal. do. No, they do. They They work. They seem to work the same way that first party Amazon stuff does in that regard. And it totally does work how you'd expect it to easily over 90% of the time. But I could see it being annoying enough where, you know, this, this product that we've got in the kitchen, like its sole purpose would almost be to, you know, take these voice commands for timers and stuff. And if it, if, you know, one out of every 10 times it, it wasn't working that way, it would, it just, it'd be kind of annoying. So, yeah. Hmm. Well, cool. The Rome. The eight Rome, of, yeah. Eight, eight it's, out of five stars. Wait, sorry. Eight. No. Eight out of ten. <laughs> it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's got, um, I mean, like I was kind of alluding to, like it has a lot of features which don't seem all that useful to me. So it's, it, it seems maybe a little over-engineered. It, it, it'd been nice to maybe have this thing be like 40 bucks cheaper and ha- have it be a bit simpler, you know, not have like the audio handoff thing and, and some of that other stuff. But but no, it, it, it's good. Cool. Good to know. All right. Ooh, oh, wow. Okay. I didn't, even, didn't think this would work out, but it kind of does. Um, so there was a, so I think maybe second to last or probably last topic for the day. Um, in the New York Times, there was, there was an article, which I don't actually think this is a good article, but it was the, the question of Amazon makes a lot of stuff. And... Actually, let me ask you, what's 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 Silicon Valley's favorite word? What's their favorite word? It starts with an S. Synergy. Mm, close. Sunset. Sunset, okay, yeah. Tech companies love sunsetting products. Mm. So in this article, Brian Chen writes about Amazon makes a lot of stuff and ships like in and and they're good at shipping like not not in the logistics sense but in terms of like the product design and marketing tense where they they make a lot of stuff that actually makes it into people's hands where there are a couple like famous examples like the the amazon dash button and the what was the what was the amazon echo for your camera or for not for your camera for your closet the echo look oh yeah that's that's one of the key examples that they bring here which is that it, I guess the complaint or whatever, what what this article is bringing up, and, and I don't necessarily agree with this article a bunch, but that a lot of companies and Amazon in particular will make a lot of stuff and then either get bored with it or not see it gets enough market traction and will just be like, yeah, we're over this and just, okay, this, this product is being sunset and eventually I just won't do anything. And I mean, we don't have to go deep into the article, but I guess what is, what's your take or your, your opinion on, I guess the, like the level of commitment that a company has to have, how many years of support you're, you're expect, you can reasonably expect something to have, or alternatively, and I guess I'll give a spoiler from my view, like, eh, I mean, like if I want companies trying a bunch of stuff and if it doesn't eventually work, then I mean... If it ends up no longer being supported, I mean, whatever. So I guess, like, what do you think about, 
let's say Sonos after a while like gets bored and they're like, yeah, you know, we're actually we're we're over support. Well, actually, it's no, it's probably a bad example for you because I was going to say, what if they stop supporting Amazon integration? That would have oh, you I'd... driving to Santa Barbara and being very mad. <laughs> yeah. But um, like yeah, like just a company like giving up on a product because it just doesn't make sense anymore to support it. What 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 what's your thought about experimentation versus sunsetting products? I mean, it, it can definitely be complicated and, and lead to some really awful situations for consumers. I, I think one sort of natural safeguard against it becoming a major issue, though, is that I assume that a lot of this Amazon stuff, especially the kind of crazier stuff is really primarily bought by nerds like us who kind of know what they're getting themselves into and that there's probably not a lot of just casual buyers that, that stumble upon these things. So I think we just sort of naturally end up in a spot where there's not going to be a bunch of people buying these products that get quickly sunset that were, you know, not even thinking about the possibility of them being discontinued after a short period of time. I think it's going to be a lot of people who, when a product get dis- gets discontinued, are going to have kind of the mentality that you just outlined, which is like, well, yeah, that I I knew that could have happened. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's fair, and and also I feel like this could be easily mitigated. And I know, like, you're still going to get people who are mad, like from an e waste angle. But if I'm just being like, oh yeah, we, we're kind of over this, but hey. Because this happened when I bought my um, when I bought my Kindle Oasis, I forget what I did or what I had done, but I think I traded like an old Amazon Echo Dot, and they're like, "Okay, yeah, you you send us back one of like your old Amazon things that you don't like anymore, and we'll give you like thirty percent off your next thing." Like I I, I feel like it felt like for everybody who's bummed that their Echo look, which I'm sorry if you, if you bought a product that was supposed to tell you how your outfit looked from and from seattle like i mean i, I mean eh, can't hate too much on that but like if, if they had a way to be like okay you know we're we're maybe giving up on this idea sooner than the three to five years you might reasonably expect a consumer electronics product to work that maybe they had kind of like a buyback program sort of just because for a company of amazon size i mean it's like who cares like that's probably a drop in the bucket but like yeah like i mean they should just be like if it's getting to the point where the market that it's appealing to is beyond the early adopter style folks, then it's probably enough of a hit to not have that risk to it. So yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see this as a huge deal. Like, I mean, you you can complain about disposable technology and a lot of other stuff, but that's not specifically an Amazon or a like bleeding edge tech issue. That's more of a kind of right to repair situation and a whole lot of other stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I think the other thing here too is, and I think, I feel like this comes out in things like when we talk about EVs, like I'm always sort of biased towards or in favor of companies that actually ship stuff and try things versus companies that sort of just, you know, come to these conferences and, and do these presentations on stuff that, is is six years away or just like never comes out or some concept thing like i i'm so over that stuff like that's 
you know, that, that's something that I consistently, you know, to, to try to say, to say something positive about Apple on this episode, like that's something they get right. Right. Like they're, they're not out there talking about a, a bunch of conceptual stuff. It's, like they, it's, it's a term that it's a term that's fallen out of favor where nobody ever talks about vaporware anymore, but for the most part, Apple, like, they, I mean, they ship with like, other than like, like all the jokes about like LOL air power, like yeah, whatever they talk about, they usually end up, it ends up being purchasable. Yeah. Right. Um, and you know, I mean, sure they've, they've had some examples of like, of, you know, the home pod most recently, of course, that, you know, didn't really last as long as what people would have wanted it to. But I mean, Apple was still announcing new home pod features at WWDC, even though that was after they discontinued it. So it's not like they're pulling the plug on it or something. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm over companies that just sort of, you know, talk a bunch but don't actually ship things so there is something to be said about amazon where they actually like try stuff and get it into consumers hands and you know some of it works some of it doesn't yeah anyway so yeah kind of interesting article but also not so much right yeah the last bit before we round this out there were two two articles that actually I feel like you might have some insight on. So I, I put a link in the show notes about uh, this oh, uh, autoplay video uh, about this Texas story where apparently, again, this goes back to the um, the freezing storms that happened this winter where apparently there's been a lot of scrutiny on Texas's uh, very, very much a free market power grid thing. But apparently there's a energy saving program which uh the name i can't find um smart savers texas yes and again there's a second autoplay video this is why local media is dying um <laughs> <laughs> local news websites are, are the are, are the worst luckily the san francisco chronicles website if you're a paid subscriber isn't bad but like don't ever go to sfgate um yeah so apparently smart energy saving texas or whatever it was called like if you opt into this program, there's a, a tech startup that allows the state's energy companies to remotely override your preferences on your smart thermostat to reduce grid demand when it's under strain. And the reason why I bring this up is in California, we're, we're approaching uh, wildfire season, in which is becoming kind of an all-year affair in California, unfortunately, but... Uh, we actually had a preview of it where was it last week when just like it was triple digit heat most of the week? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where there were, I think the term is like a flex alert where, uh, Northern California energy or it's mostly PG and E, but issues an alert saying, Hey, can people reduce energy consumption to avoid rolling blackouts due to the extreme heat? Or alternatively, there are those that the PSPS, uh, things for when, there's a high fire risk and due to specific equipment in certain areas and geography and stuff. So I guess my question here, or is this kind of interesting is would you ever opt into, or do what do you think of situations where PG and E can basically say, you know what electric vehicles, like, no, the, the demand on the grid's too high. We're going to override any preference. And you know, now is not a critical time to charge your car or, you can delegate like remote authority for smart home stuff to be connected to the central power grid in a more, I guess like impactful way where 
to avoid stuff like that, that you can have that remotely optimized for you. Because I guess under the framing of the Texas thing, it's everybody's mad and this is like gross overreach. And I guess like I didn't really see it that way. I mean, apparently like it was just not very well spelled out that this was a possibility and people were thought like, oh yeah, I want to save energy. Like, but this doesn't strike me as that bad where that's kind of seems like one of the one things that's useful about connected technologies. And if in mass in five years or 10 years, we all switch to electric vehicles, being able to kind of adjust when power demand happens at scale is kind of an important feature. So I guess what is, what's your view of this? The strangest thing to me about this Smart Savers Texas program is that I assumed what this was was sort of like you opting into this program. So if, you know, number one, it's, it'd be opt-in, which which it is in this case. But then you know the exchange would be more even, meaning that like in 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 exchange for opting into this program, you would maybe get like a credit on your bill each month or, like or those... you would get lower rates at yeah. certain times or, or something like that. But from what I can read in this article here, all this was, was you opting into this program in exchange for an entry into a sweepstakes. <laughs> oh, so Texas, which, you know, that that's just not really an even exchange. <laughs> I don't think. Well, so that's a backs um, for the win situation. No. <laughs> um, so that that's that's probably my my main issue with this. Like, I think as long as these types of programs are opt in, and you're getting something sort of tangible in exchange, then you know I I don't know if I necessarily have a problem with that. But if if one of those two criterias aren't met, then then I think this type of setup is no good. So I, I will confess I didn't read that far into it. So thank you for doing the doing the due diligence. But yeah, that's that's what I thought it was. Where like I assume it would put you into like a lower rate tier, like probably not 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 anything like monumental, right. but where like if you are willing to maybe sacrifice a little, like you have a slightly cheaper enter like per kilowatt hour or or whatever the unit is. Where you save a little. Uh, well, but, and oh, and I, I guess there's got to have a third feature here too, which is like you've got to have the ability to overwrite it. Yeah. Where you know, it, it, if if the power company makes some change, like in this example, changing your thermostat, or like in your hypothetical example about not allowing you to charge your car at a certain time, like there's got to be a way to to override that, and then sure, and then you, know, you fall maybe, back into regular rates. Yeah. It, exactly. Yeah. And but, and if if it's set up like that, then you know that seems that all seems fair but again you know sweepstakes does not sound fair to me wait what was the prize i I, that i don't (laughs) that i don't think this article says which is the other very puzzling part about all this but Mm. a trip to the silos um (laughs) yeah yeah, i mean yeah that because i mean that seems like it has to be part of the bargain because like if this has always been my debate about evs is it, it like let's say just all of a sudden just everybody's like, yeah, you know what? EVs are the answer. Let's all, like, everybody gets over the range and anxiety, and all those people that have those dumb trucks in Sonoma, like, get over it. And they're like, you know, let's, let's just let's get a sensible Model 3 or a Nissan Leaf or something. Well, they've all got their cyber trucks now. I've, I've, I don't know if I've complained on the show of, like, that's so stupid. Like, why didn't, because 
there's a whole controversy that's been happening about Lordstown Motors and stuff, but there's also, isn't there, there's a company called Rivian, right? Right. I don't know what they do, but their whole thing is they're making a truck, I think. Right. Like, yeah. why doesn't, why doesn't Tesla just make a truck that, that's just a Model 3 that looks like a truck? Like, yeah, so I many know. people, it's... like, I, I mean, like, let's be realistic. This is America. Like, there's a whole lot of people that want trucks that, one, don't need a truck, that will never haul anything, but they just want a truck because they think they need a truck because... Texas. Well, I mean, this this is also the same company that, you know, for years and years and years never updated its sedan and then finally did and gave people a, a version of it with a flight yoke and well a, a base price, at least of this initial shipping version of $130,000 because Tesla insisted on having it be able to go zero to 60 in under two seconds i mean they make a lot of sort of well but that's the thing is, is truck buyers aren't very they're not very rational because trucks are super expensive for stuff you don't need like an f-150 is not the cost of a civic like right. people buying that car are spending 50 plus thousand dollars like that why that would be this is money on the table like, I don't. I don't know why they wouldn't do that. Anyway, Cybertruck is well, down. and especially because the, the the electric F one fifty, as discussed last week, mm -hmm. is actually like very reasonably priced. Oh, most definitely. Like this seems like just such a what's what's what the what's the Ted Lasso term? It's a, it's an own goal. Or I don't know if it's yeah. a football or a soccer thing, but anyway. But yeah, energy sweepstakes. That's silly. Just, but again, to round this out, like as things more things get plugged in, like let's say everybody gets on board with electric cars. It feels like there is going to need to be some type of central way to manage demand, especially like, I mean, EVs for the most, I mean, those are very high energy consuming. Like we, we talked about like your supercharging thing last week where like, I mean, it's like, it's take consuming all like a, like a 40 amp circuit to recharge a, an EV. And like, if it's also a heat wave where demand and, and the stress on the grid is really high, like it feels like there's going to have to be a good logical way to, um, manage that demand but it seems like maybe texas is like a lot of things it's maybe not doing it right so yeah pg&e has this thing on their website where you can look at your usage like by hour mm -hmm. and i did this a couple times shortly after getting the model 3 where it is it is humorous to see on the graph you know at 2 a.m or whatever when you're charging <laughs> your car how your energy use just you know spikes and i you know back when i was you know, commuting on a regular basis and, you know, actually driving my car every day, um, recharging my, my model three was a huge percentage of our, of our electricity bill mm -hmm. each month. I mean, the, the rest of our electricity usage combined was, you know, a fraction of what, of what the, the Tesla was. Mm -hmm. All right. You got anything else or chef specials? Uh, no, I think that's it. All right. Um. Well, i i i was gonna I was gonna just make it the the Rome the Rome the, doesn't the Rome. get it. Oh, ooh, you're on the fence. No, 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 no. I, I mean, if you if you allow me to be lazy like that, I'll just give it to the Rome. I, I had one other pick in mind, but I'll say I'll save that. Wait, well, what's, what's the other one? Was the other one a good one? Yeah, well, we'll save it for next week. Oh, you're all um, the listeners. I'm, okay, I'm, 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 it's, a, it's a tease. I'm not, um, <laughs> I'm not sure that's what. Okay, very charitable <laughs> way of putting it. Uh, I guess uh, to to route to, to okay so to to get something out of this uh what color room did you get well you have I, of course it's black for you it, it's it's black yeah all, all the sonos stuff is black um 
yeah, no, it, it's got to be the room. It's really good. Um, and it's also, I, I guess, like a more general sort of pick, which I also mentioned when talking about the room, is just having a whole home audio setup is it's really, yeah. really nice. Like when you, I mean, even, even just in the evening, you know, when you're just making dinner or whatever, but then like, especially when you, when you have people over, just having some, you know, nice background music going and then having that, you know, go across the whole home is, mm-hmm. is, it's just, it's really nice. When you say music, does that implies that you're not listening to ATP on every speaker in the house? Uh, is, is that is that nece- not necessarily uh, welcoming music for people? Especially John, when d- during these Pisa. during these times where you know I I am very seldom home alone. That's mm-hmm. that's not really happening. No, mm-hmm. that's where the the AirPods come into play. Fair. The the lady the lady friend and the and the new roommate. And Branson, for that matter, I'm sure all all don't really have much of an interest in um, the latest in Apple news and video games. I th- I I imagine every episode happens with Branson snoozing by your feet, <laughs> and then he's he's loving this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, dogs love antitrust news. Okay. <laughs> all right. I so and and I, I will double down your recommendation. Yeah, AirPlay AirPlay is pretty good, and having like Bluetooth, like I guess this because I just took that Bose SoundLink thing everywhere, or like it's anywhere I want to listen to music in the house. Like that was a fairly simplistic setup, but it's really nice to just be able to say like, "Hey, play this podcast in the kitchen," and this, that's it. There's no all you do is you just tap the little AirPlay button, and the Sonos One is playing. It's 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 very convenient. It's very very underrated. Well, you know, the, the really key thing with that's happened with AirPlay, in addition to it just getting to be so much more reliable than it used to be, the other key piece is that it's, it's just, it's everywhere now. So like, you know, for us, for us now, like even putting the audio stuff aside, like even with the TV, if we ever wanted to AirPlay video, like for a while, it was kind of annoying to only be able to do it like on the, on one TV in the house where mm-hmm. that, you know, had the Apple TV connected to it. Well, Whereas, you know, now with, with, you know, all the TVs in the house, they've got, um, you know, airplay built into them. So now it's like, you can just like, you don't ever have to even think about being in the right room or something. It just, it can happen anywhere, which well, is really cool. This is the thing that we can take, uh, to thank, uh, Ted Lasso and Jason Sudeikis for, which is the only reason that is the case is because Apple is so thirsty for services revenue that they're like, Hey, we want everything to everything that it's kind of like the Netflix approach where it's like, we want everything that could be an Apple TV doing it, be an Apple TV that they were willing. This is one of the rare instances where Apple was willing to leave money on the table was they, they abandoned the fact of like, Hey, let's try to sell these $180 boxes versus let's try to have everything possible, be able to play Apple TV plus content and be destinations for Apple Music or whatever audio you might be playing on your Apple TV device, which is right. something that would not have happened. And I in when that switch flipped because of Apple TV Plus, that was a very interesting turn. Mm-hmm. All right, my pick is a pretty half-hearted one, but I again with with the pandemic being what it is, like I I don't nest my my peak design everyday messenger does not get a lot of use anymore like just because i'm not mm. doing everyday stuff so i don't need the everyday messenger um 
So I was looking for the app and, and with that, like my, my normal carry was a, I hate that term. I'm sorry, but the, the normal <laughs> stuff that I would take with me, ugh, everyday carry is one of those terms like sunset that needs to go, go straight to the sun. It needs to be sunset, if you will. Yeah. Um, it used to be a first generation, every, a peak design, everyday messenger, 13 inch laptop bag with my 13 inch MacBook pro, my, uh, my camera and a few other things. And it was, it was like seven pounds to carry around with you. And it was kind of too much, but when the pandemic hit and things have slowly reopened and kind of my level of comfort of, cause it was the early period where we were all kind of like, Oh yeah. Surface transmission and stuff like that. Like, I'm like, I don't want, I don't want to take my, my bag into a spot where it's It's going to get all get all germy but yeah right like that that's mostly subsided but i have also kind of now wanted just a extremely minimal sling style backpack that can fit a that can fit a mask that can fit a uh, a second cell phone and a 13 inch macbook pro and maybe some airpods and that is what this is so this my my pick is going to be the pack safe vibe <laughs> terrible name uh-huh. uh and ignore all the stuff where it says anti-theft i have no idea how to operate any of the features of this bag that are allegedly supposed to help you from getting like mugged while you're doing stuff but our rfid safe pocket too yeah but it doesn't do the thing that you'd want to which is now people that break this is a very much a bay area thing but people who break into cars will use a bluetooth low energy sensor to see if you have electronics in your car that are not visible so this mm. this the uh, the one part of this I actually would have liked is if like the entire bag was like that, but no, it just has like one pocket that has RFID blocking stuff in it. But anyway, it's eighty bucks. It's kind of overpriced, but it's a very 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 minimal sling bag that can hold a, a MacBook Pro, and that's worth it. Yeah, I kind of I kind of ho- I'm hoping by end of summer that I that I feel great about going back to my normal like carry routine of the a7r4 everywhere with my 40 millimeter lens and then the 13 inch mac pro and then stuff's mostly normal well you you apparently kind of bought them out here because this, this bag on oh Amazon, august 5th you, yeah it like a, <laughs> it comes bundled with the sonos rome yeah <laughs> right. we have like the oprah effect we do have a lot of a lot of influence on this show. Mm-hmm. Was her thing? Her, she had her favorite things every year. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. 